0: Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. Because registration for the next cohort of the Ivy League Challenge is now open, I've been having lots of conversations, both with the parents of teenagers and the teenagers themselves. And I'm hearing a lot of consistent things. A lot of people are talking about how it's very stressful, how competition is fierce, and the overall process just feels overwhelming. And I can understand how that must feel, to just feel so stressed out that the competition is so fierce. Because if you think about it, there are only so many internships to the perfect job that you want to intern at, or there are only so many research positions And we can take this further at every single step. We could say there's only so many winners of the regional science or math Olympiad. There are only so many national winners and so many international winners. There are only so many captains on the baseball team or on the other team that you're a part of. And there are only so many leaders and presidents and whatever else of the different groups, the organizations, the choirs, the bands, the orchestras, the everything that you're involved in. And so because there are only so many spots available, it feels like everyone is trying to get onto a train that is bound for your dream college, but you can't figure out how to get a seat. All the seats are taken and there is a line and not just a line, but a fierce battle over who can get onto the train to take those, you know, last remaining seats or to see if they can somehow sneak in some other way. But ironically. Most of these highly selective schools are not interested in most of the passengers on this train. If this train is full of everyone who is trying to be the best at everything, remind yourself something that we've talked about before on this podcast. If you haven't heard it before, let me tell you now. If you have, then I hope this message is starting to settle because I've talked about this several times already on this podcast. The Dean of Admissions at Harvard really articulated this well. She was the Dean up until, I believe, uh, 2018. But Drew Faust was the Dean of Admissions, and she famously said Look, we cannot take all of the valedictorians that we have. Our applications I mean, we get enough applications to fill more than two classes just with valedictorians. And if the belief were true that these admissions officers at the most selective schools were just looking for the most impressive students, right? Trying to figure out who the most impressive students are and then take those students. Then how would they be making those decisions? I can imagine maybe they look at your application and they see all of the activities that you did. And maybe one category would be, you know, who did more activities than everyone else? Who had more APs? Who had more clubs? Did more sports? Did more of everything? Did more research or whatever? Let's put them on one side of the scale, and then the other side of the continuum is the really, really lazy people. And we'll only take people, we'll have this cutoff, and we'll take the most ambitious, most hardworking students. And and I know that for many of you listening in, that's how you see the job or the role of the admissions officer, to interpret who is the hardest worker, who's the most impressive through their sheer effort and, and work ethic. Well, that is not how admissions officers choose the class. And the next possibility also is not true, this big myth that they're looking for the smartest students possible. How could you decide, if you're the admissions officer, how do you decide which valedictorian is better qualified? How do you decide which one is smarter? Keep in mind some context here that admissions officers at all of these schools have talked about, they try to make an apples-to-apples comparison, and they aren't going to penalize you if your school doesn't have opportunities for more AP classes. And so, yeah, we already know that they can't say it's whoever takes the most AP classes or whoever gets the most fives on their AP tests or IB is better than AP, is better than A level, is better than, so let's just take the smartest person based on some mathematical formula. That's also not what's happening. And how could it? I mean, how could it really? How could you decide if you're the admissions officer, which of these valedictorians is smarter? Okay, it's a, it's a fool's errand. And that's not what they do. And they haven't been pretending to do that for a really long time. So while most people are elbowing and fighting their way to try to get onto the train that someone else has established, and this train is the, I'm the best at everything train, right? In our metaphor, trying to be better than everyone at everything. Meanwhile, that train oftentimes may stop at your dream college, but it's only gonna let a couple of people off. They are interested in a very different type of student. And I know this because I've spoken with the admissions officers, but also I've spoken with my classmates. My peers at Harvard, many of them were these outstanding, better-than-everyone-at-everything people. And yes, those people are on campus. They're all over campus. But even more of my friends at Harvard were people who were regular human beings but they had a mission. They had something that they were dedicated to, that they were committed to. They almost took it too far. These were people who began caring about something early on. And they were probably fortunate because somehow they discovered something that really lit a fire in their soul and it aligned completely with their core values, even if they didn't have the language to, to express it that way. They didn't know that the activity that they cared so much about aligned so closely with their core values, but they knew that it mattered to them deeply and that they had to do something about it. They couldn't just look and observe and see what was happening out in the world. They had to take action and make their community a better place. And it was the mission that made them great. There was something they cared about and they took action as a result. Now, this is the question that I want everyone to consider right now. If there is a better way, a way that does not require that you elbow people out of the way so that you can get in line and try to force your way, fight your way onto the train and get a seat on the train, that someone else laid the tracks for, that someone else decided how many seats there were. And if there was a better way, if it was possible that actually this train might pass right by the destination that you want to go to, that this isn't your best chance at getting into your dream college. Wouldn't you want to consider the better way? Just considering the fact that it's going to be more enjoyable, more aligned with who you really are? Absolutely, you should consider paving your own trail. And here's where the metaphor breaks down. Because laying train tracks takes a ton of work. That infrastructure takes a long time, and then lots and lots of people can benefit. But the truth is, going to a highly selective school is not something that masses and masses of people are able to do. And so finding your own way to the campus, finding your own path, not trying to board a train where the tracks have been laid by someone else, but you exploring what matters most to you and then making your community a better place as a result, that is the strategic and effective and fun and amazingly empowering and confidence building way to prepare for college. I hope that this message lands for you because as I told you at the very beginning, registration for the Ivy League Challenge is now open. And yes, I've been having conversations every single day. These conversations are with ambitious teenagers and parents who care deeply for their teens. I care about you as well. And that's why I love the Ivy League Challenge. I've created it for you. In 12 weeks, we go through three phases of transformation. We help you discover in phase one what your core values are so that you can make decisions on a daily basis that are aligned with those core values. And you can enjoy the benefits of being more confident and being more full of life, full of zest, full of energy, more focused, more everything because you're making choices that are better aligned with your core values. You have energy left over to do well in your classes since you're not exhausting yourself by doing activities just so you can fight your way onto the train because you think that is what is going to help you stand out. Instead, figure out your core values. Then in phase two, we help you decide the impact project. How do you convert those core values into a real-life impact that improves your community in a real way? That's what we call the impact project, and that is your mission. That becomes the mission that you stand up for that really aligns with your core values and that allows you to make your community a better place because you exist. What is that going to do? When you start solving real problems in the real world, in your real community, even if these problems are relatively small, you show admissions officers that you have problem-solving skills, that you don't just talk about your core values, you really live them, that you have the fortitude and the grit and the emotional intelligence to manage people, to lead people, to communicate effectively, and to work through the the problems that are going to arise and resolve them so that you can solve problems and make a real impact. Now, part of this success is going to come because of phase three. In phase three, we teach you how to reach out to experts, professors who are also trying to solve the same problems that you're solving, and other experts who are doing what you're doing, but on a larger scale. And we'll teach you how to use professional communication to reach out to these people to recruit them onto your team, or to offer your services to help them as they solve their problem in their field. We also teach you in phase three, how to integrate phase one, your core values, and phase two, your impact project into a really effective application where you demonstrate thoughtfulness and self-awareness that is unusual for a teenager. And that's the sort of stuff that really jumps out of the page when we're talking about college applications. As you might understand, This kind of support is critical even if you're a junior and you don't have time to redo all this stuff. That is something that even if you have very little time remaining before you apply, it's going to be a good use of your time. But as you can imagine, the students who benefit the most, the ideal age for the Ivy League Challenge is students that are much, much younger. In fact, the ideal age is between grade 8, 9, and 10. Some students are ready even earlier. And then of course, if you find out about this in grade 10 or grade 11, and you wish you knew sooner, but you didn't, there is no time like the present to take advantage. Discover your core values, find a way to impact your community in a meaningful way, and maximize those two things in your application in a strategic way so that you can stand out and get into the college of your dreams. That is the Ivy League challenge. Rather than fighting over spots that someone else created on a train that's not that impressive for the colleges that you're looking to go to, blaze your own trail grounded in your own core values and create the evidence for those values in the form of a real life impact in your community. Join the Ivy League challenge today.